It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. And with that, NFL Draft expert Kyle Krabs from Locked On NFL Draft is joining us. What's up, Kyle? Busy weekend? Get into anything uh, on? Yeah, we... Uh... We had a couple picks that uh, we had to pay attention to and a couple hours, you know, just watching 259 selections from all 32 teams, but it was, it's a blast and we love it every year. So I hope you guys enjoyed it as well. Kyle, how deep did you go on, on any of your mocks? Uh, the, the furthest I went, I did a two, three round mocks. So, you know, you, you'll hop on one of these draft simulators and you can like pick a team and, and do seven round mocks. So you do seven round scenarios for teams trying to get to know uh, just how deep the needs go and kind of get an idea for all the different combinations if you prioritize position or X or Y early on. But as far as actually projecting the first or every pick, it was three rounds and, and I didn't have the stomach to do the seven rounders like some of the guys. Did. Yeah, I don't know. how they, I, I think it's an exercise in insanity. Yeah, I, I really do. Um, based on the three rounds that you went, um, do you feel, how, how do you feel things played out in reality versus how you predicted they would play out? Yeah, I, I think you saw uh, the vast majority of talent that went uh, was the talent that I would have expected to go. I think on, on Joe Marino and I, for Locked On NFL Scouting, uh, we did a, a final predictive board, and 84 of our 100 actually went in the top 100. So I would wow. say that that's relatively, I don't want to say chalk, but uh, a lot of what you expected as far as the talent itself. Now, Cleveland was one of the beneficiaries uh, of a couple of players that that did end up sliding a little bit with Siaki Aika, who fell all the way to 98. Uh, Dewan Jones, obviously, at 111, who you guys were talking about coming in with the decision with, with him long-term and how he develops and uh, Luke Whipler from Ohio State was another one that we thought had a pretty good chance to be a day two selection as an early entry uh, as well. So um, not too many crazy surprises. I, I think a lot of people were surprised to see Darnell Washington, the Georgia tight end, fall as far as he did. Sounds like the medicals uh, were pretty ugly in that regard. But uh, that's the part that's really hard on our end of things is not getting a chance to to have access to all the information the teams do. So sure. you uh, have to just trust whatever caused that slide there was something legitimate because all 32 teams continued to pass did you have a a, what's the thing that shocked you the most about the draft man I was really surprised how many you know and and it's Cleveland's included in this but it's not a big picture uh, early round discussion but just how many quarterbacks were drafted I think a lot of these teams saw uh, Brock Purdy Mr. Irrelevant and said, hey, why don't we roll the dice and draft some guy that has fringe or, or, or lower level tiers? But I actually think that the quarterback that uh, Cleveland got DTR was my favorite day three quarterback just for the athleticism that he has. And I got a chance to meet him over the summer last year and, and really enjoyed his leadership style and, and talking about the game with him. So I think he's a really nice developmental type for Cleveland, especially to play behind Deshaun Watson with some of the parallels in their athleticism and, and ability to make things happen on the move. So uh, just the the raw number of quarterbacks that I never would have guessed were fourth, fifth, sixth round picks. And these teams were, were kind of jumping at the opportunity to roll the dice and uh, take a developmental quarterback early while there were still some really good scheme specific type of talent or developmental type talent at other positions that maybe had a more statistically 
uh, likely probability of you hitting on it and getting a nice player that can contribute for your team. You know, Kyle, you know, Jay talked about it earlier and, and, and I was pointed out last year, you know, the Browns, they do have some guys, some veterans, Sione Takitaki, uh, you, you, you got guys like JLK who's back, Phillips is back, um, you know, and guys in the middle like Anthony Walker, but no, no, no linebacker. Um, was that a function of um, the Browns may not have liked any of the linebackers starting in the third round, moving back to the seventh or whatever the case may be? Or do you feel like it was a it was a shallow uh, linebacker draft in general for a lot of people? Yeah, so I'm just kind of pulling up my my sheet here to look. I think that the tone was set really early with Jack Campbell, which last time I was on with you guys, I, I gave you the idea to maybe go up and trade for Jack Campbell. And sorry for that advice because he went at 18. Right, and, right. Uh, that crazy. was never going right, <laughs> But then after that, you had to wait till 67, where where Drew Sanders was the next one off the board. So mm-hmm. I think that gap, that separation between a guy that you felt like could you know, play and, and deconstruct blocks, but also defend the run and rush the passer a little bit in, in Jack Campbell versus all these other players that, that were more incomplete or skill-specific type players. Uh, I think it, it kind of bit Cleveland a little bit that the run for linebackers happened so late uh, where these guys kind of came off hot and heavy. You had five linebackers go between 67 and 91. And, and if Cleveland, obviously, they, they draft Cedric Tillman there in that stretch of picks and I think that's a good selection. I think that who was probably a guy who I would have expected would have been gone a little bit earlier towards the back end of the second round. But once the run kind of happened, man, I, don't force it. There, there's other personnel opportunities for you that, that are going to be coming after June 1st when some of these guys get cut or you, know, you get through training camp and guys are or it's evident that they're going to be moved. So I, I appreciate them not forcing linebacker when that third round really seemed like it was the stretch of players that you felt Guys, if they were going to contribute pretty early on, they all went in that stretch in picks. And, and I actually like the player that, that Cleveland got in Cedric Tillman a bit more than the vast majority of those guys. That's what I wanted to ask you about, Kyle, was Tillman. Uh, obviously, when you're starting out in the third round, it's going to limit what you can do in a draft. But I just my immediate thought was a big target in the red zone, a guy who can go high point the ball on fade routes and something that they really didn't have last year. Just your thoughts on Tillman and how he fits with the Browns and – if he can get on the field right away. I think he can. I, I think he's uh, more dynamic than David Bell. And I like David Bell coming out of Purdue quite a bit, who they, they got last year. But uh, Tillman, I thought, was the better Tennessee wide receiver. I think he's more well-rounded. Uh, I think he's more physical than Jalen Hyatt. I think Jalen Hyatt's a little bit more of a one-dimensional, vertical, down-the-field, nine-ball type of player versus Tillman. I think you know, working comeback routes that work back down towards the sideline, the ball skills along the perimeter – the ability to high point the football and play with physicality. Um, He just had a quiet year this past year, and I know he dealt with an injury throughout the course of the season, so you miss some playing time there and out of sight, out of mind versus some of these other receivers and uh, a couple of the guys that ended up going in front of him and Nathaniel Dell and Rasheed Rice and Jaden Reed, Jonathan Mingo. Those guys were in round two selections. They were all players who had a chance to go down to the senior bowl, and and you get an extra data point for for them to look at there versus – uh, Tillman being somebody who was kind of off the beaten path this year when Tennessee's offense exploded. So uh, I think this is a potential to be a really nice kind of value pick for Cleveland. And I think Cleveland has a, a number of guys that can be candidates in that regard. But Tillman it was a player I like quite a bit. All right, let's do grades. Um, and we'll start with the Browns and then we'll go through the other AFC North teams. 
what do you give the Browns, Kyle, considering that they didn't, you know, they didn't have a lot of draft capital up, up top and uh, they traded away that last pick, their seventh round pick. But the damage, what damage did they do in three through six? We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. Yeah, so I, you know, the Dewan Jones, Isaac McGuire, Doreen Thompson, Robinson, Cameron Mitchell, Luke Whipler stretch is, is a really good day three haul. Uh, so, so I'd give their day three picks an A as far as the big picture while acknowledging you don't have a one, you don't have a two. Um, it, it's a class for me that's probably a solid B plus, but it, it's hard to, to buy all the way in just because of the lack of those slam dunk prospects that don't have the questions. And I think Whipler is probably a little bit of functional strength questions. DeWan Jones seemed like he rubbed the teams the wrong way, whether or not that actually ends up being a problem or not, that's going to be up to him and how Cleveland is able to get them into uh, their program. What do you mean by that? Elaborate on that rub teams the wrong way. So I know DeWan went down to the senior bowl and did one day of practice and, and then packed it in for the rest of the week. And, you know, it just felt like that was something that teams kind of raised an eyebrow at that he passed on so much of the, he was passive throughout a lot of the process. And they want to see you take those opportunities to compete, to test, to, to check boxes for them. And he took the opportunity to go down there. He had a really good first day. And then he spent the rest of the week in street clothes and didn't partake. And he didn't give you the full participation in the pre-draft process from an athletic profile testing perspective. So just I, 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 it felt like, and I'm, I'm trying to extrapolate and read between the lines, it felt like teams uh, were a little hesitant based on uh, his strategy in the pre-draft process, whether that's justified or not. Again, that's up to DeWan. Did but uh, that, I, I thought from a, explain- a talent perspective, he was a top 50 talent. Did he explain why he was passive and why he pulled out of some of those events that typically guys have to go through? I'm sure he was asked about it in the interviews. Uh, I don't. I don't believe there was any public uh, discussion that was held in that regard, and and that might have been part of it too. Whatever you know, when he was asked directly by the teams in the interviews, uh, if they did ask him, and whatever he offered to them for context, uh, may have been, contributed to that too. But I never in a million years would have guessed he would have fell out of the first two days of the draft. Hmm. All right. Well, we'll take that as a nice value pick there. Hopefully, he doesn't turn into a personality you know a difficult personality to coach I didn't if that was his reputation at Ohio State I, I never heard anything about that no at Ohio mm-hmm. State um so I mean obviously like you said teams a lot of times they're, they're, to all that information those guys know. are going off advice from, yeah, from agents, agents right and yep and it's really not not more than that it's yeah. they're listening to the people telling them what to do yeah and obviously sometimes that's not wise advice. Well, right you know when you pull yourself out of that process uh, it does send a certain message, and whatever the reason may be, whatever reasons he gave, I'm sure in his mind they were valid, but that clearly it, that presented issues. I hadn't heard that, Kyle, but that makes perfect sense now as to why he slipped as far as he did. Yeah, and, and he was a player who, you know, probably the mock drafts projected a little bit higher, but you also think about uh, Orlando Brown Jr., who went through the pre-draft process and tested the combine and put up like an all-time 
stinker combine performance and he went from the first round to the third round so that's probably part of the discussion as a player who's of similar stature like look let's not give him any reason to to start poking holes but when the alternative is to don't do it then teams kind of get leery of okay what what is he and his team potentially trying to avoid us having access or having information on that that would alarm us to to who he is so it's it's you guys make a great point. You know, every camp has their own unique strategies on handle, how to handle this pre-draft process with how valid or invalid they feel the information and the data points are or are not. But uh, for Dewan, it's not a talent issue. I will say that. So we'll, we'll just have to see how well he hits the ground running with his time in Cleveland. Um, we talked about, um, you know, the, we haven't really discussed the other teams in the AFC North. And, but man, the, the Ravens and the Steelers, I, I like the pick of Darnell Washington. Um, maybe you, you alluded to something uh, in terms of his medical that could have dropped him a little bit further. Maybe you could elaborate on that. And then also uh, Zay Flowers um, to the Baltimore Ravens. Um, they got Odell Beckham Jr. They got good Zay Flowers. Uh, Lamar Jackson is back in the mix. What did you think about those two moves for the Steelers as well as the uh, Ravens? If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Yeah, well, from Washington's perspective, this was the most physically unique of the tight ends in the class. And we had a crazy amount of tight ends go. I mean, more tight ends in this class than than any year in recent memory for me. Uh, I think Washington was a, a really good value pick for Pittsburgh. I would have guessed he'd have been a top 50 pick as a floor. They got him at 93. Uh, it sounded like there was something with either a knee or a foot with him that had some some teams concerned about medicals. I know there had been some commentary about weight fluctuation during his time at Georgia as well. And he's a big guy, he's 6'7", 260, 270 pounds, so... Uh, for, for Washington, if, if the lower body medicals on a big bodied frame like that is probably there's some longevity questions. But if Pittsburgh gets one contract out and they get five, six years, I mean, it's, it's going to be a good, good return on investment with the 93rd overall pick in the draft for what he's physically capable of bringing to the table. I thought there was that was their best value pick, but I really, really like that Pittsburgh class as a whole. As far as Baltimore, you know, not quite having as much draft capital to work with. But uh, Zay Flowers in that selection, they're they're not really leaning any more into well. Lamar has to play in a run heavy offense, and you know we're we're gonna do all the heavy tight end stuff. I mean they're they're really leaning into, and obviously they paid him fifty two million dollars a season, so they'd be smart to do it and try and unlock every bit of potential that he has as a passer. They're really going the opposite direction of what that offense has been the last couple of years, and. Whether or not it all clicks together and works is going to be the, the big science experiment and chemistry experiment for the Ravens as far as what that offense ends up looking like. So what are your grades? Let's start with the Ravens, then we'll go Steelers and Bengals to finish it up. What did the what, what, what? I think the Ravens, they, they were handcuffed a little bit by lack of draft capital too. They right. obviously gave the two for Roquan Smith, gave him a big contract. 
Uh, I like their value on day three as well. Tavius Robinson, big body pass rusher. I really think they need more pass rush help there. Uh, Caillou Blue Kelly in the fifth round at 157 is a player that if you told me he would have been their pick at 86, uh, I wouldn't have batted an eye. I, I think that was a really good value for them. And especially with Marcus Peters not re-signed, I mean, he has a potential to step in there and take some pretty meaningful snaps. So Zay Flowers, Caillou Blue Kelly, uh, I'd give that draft class a B. I'm a little leery about Trenton Simpson as a stack linebacker. It feels like he might be the heir to uh, Patrick Queen, who they, they are uh, kind of facing a fifth-year option decision with. Uh, and he didn't do too well in stack linebacker situations. He was more of a hybrid player when he was at his most successful. So I'll need to see what the plan is for that. But I give the Ravens a B. Uh, Pittsburgh, I'd, I'd give an A. Uh, Broderick Jones, Joey Porter, Junior Cano, Benton, Darnell Washington, those first four picks, uh, there is a consistent theme with those guys that they are prototypical size. They are big-time physical players. Uh, they, they are very much leaning into that MO of Steelers football. And, and I know that's an eye-rolling cliche to bring up. But with those four dudes that they brought in, I think they're great scheme fits. They got good value with Porter. Uh, he could have been their pick at 14. And Darnell Washington, I think, was a steal on day two as well. Yeah, I know you say it's eye-rolling, but trust me, uh, being in Cleveland, it's a thing. Uh, and, yeah. you know, you want your team to have a point on the horizon. Like, who are you? What are you about? And while we've been asking that question relentlessly over the last 30 years with what this organization is and where they're going, other than a million different directions, with the Steelers, and I'm glad you brought that up, they know who they want. They, they always want and they always get dogs. They get guys that want to rip your head off. And one of the things that we talked about last year was this Browns team had no dogs. They had no fight in them at all. And then you play a Steelers team that you think you have more talent than, and you lose to them because they have more want to. Mm -hmm. And I think you nailed it. You know, they went out to Pittsburgh, went out and did it again. They find a bunch of guys that once their name is called and you're like, of course the Steelers took him. That's yeah. exactly where that player belonged. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, you, Broderick Jones, they did a great job to go up in front of the Jets and get him too. It sounded like the Jets had him dialed in as as their target after the trade down with the pick swap. So the fact that they got aggressive, they gave up 120 to go up and get him and lock him in, and they still got those other three dudes. And, and Corey Trice in the seventh round is a guy who fell because of medicals as well as far as concerns about, I think, another lower body injury there. But he ended up having a really good pre-draft process and is another prototypical length guy. So – Porter and Trice is big long corners. Kind of that's that's been the mo in Pittsburgh too. Is these physical long corners, and uh, I think obviously as with the legacy pick of Porter and, and is the family lineage there, uh, they have to feel really good about what they accomplished. And it, now it's just a matter of how quickly those guys can round into form and, and be the best versions of themselves. Well, let's wrap it up with the Bengals grade. They're the team that everybody in this division is chasing. Um, did the gap between the Bengals and everybody else widen or? Did the other teams uh, sort of play a little catch-up here? So I, I like their first two picks in Miles Murphy and DJ Turner, but I will say I, I feel like a lot of Cincinnati's draft mirrored what it was last year in which it felt like they were drafting in advance of needs. And, you know, when they're getting ready to pay Joe Burrow what they're going to end up paying Joe Burrow and they get ready to pay Jamar Chase what they're getting ready to pay Jamar Chase – I get it. You're going to have to make some financial decisions and having those guys in the pipeline and in the system and, and having a year of experience or two years of experience before they're stepping into critical roles. It's, it's a good way to create the sustainability as you're giving out these big contracts and you have to 
let guys go. Maybe it's a guy like Sam Hubbard ends up being the guy they move on. Maybe it's Trey Hendrickson they end up moving on from. But Miles Murphy, these feel like pipeline picks more than they feel like immediate return on investment picks. Now, they'll play rotationally. Uh, but but DJ Turner, you know, as long as Chidobe Awuzie is healthy, I don't think he's in the starting lineup. Miles Murphy, I don't think he's in the starting lineup. So they got deeper. I don't know that they really uh, accomplished improving their starting lineup so much as they tried to give themselves flexibility. And I like that strategy for them, but it, it, it's just a matter of I don't know how many more snaps they're going to get out of those guys versus some of these other draft classes where guys are going to step into definitive roles that the teams had the need to fill. Very good. So overall, the division did very well. Um, I, we, you'd say the Steelers of the four won the draft. The Browns probably came in second. I would say so. Yeah, I, I think the Browns, especially when you you grade on the curve of where they started making their picks versus right. Cincinnati. I, I like the the talent that Cincinnati got uh, more than than the talent on the whole of what Baltimore got, and. and Miles Murphy and DJ Turner are really big needle movers that, that, you know, I would give them the nod over, or at least Miles Murphy, the nod over any individual player that the Browns got, but they picked them at 28. Cleveland did pick till later. And I think sure. that their, their day three value really helped bridge the gap. So I'd put the Browns probably second on this divisional list behind the Steelers. La- last thing before we let you go, uh, who won the draft? Which team in your mind had the best draft and proved their team the most? Mm. Uh, I really like, I really liked a couple of teams, what Detroit did. I understand yeah. there was some discussion about their early selections and drafting a linebacker and a running back and a tight end at 34, and then they draft a safety at 45. But I think they were head and shoulders some of the best players at their respective positions. Now, Gibbs was obviously behind Bijan Robinson, who was off the board when they picked. But uh, that, as an upgrade over DeAndre Swift, I think is a huge potential upgrade because DeAndre Swift just really hasn't lived up to that potential. So DeAndre, or, or the the... Detroit Lions had four picks in the top 50. So when you get that kind of volume, it's going to be really easy to get a class that everybody likes. Um, another draft class that I, I really, really like was Philadelphia's as well with Jalen Carter, Nolan yeah. Smith, and then Sidney Brown in the third round was a player who I thought was a really good steal for them. And then Keely Ringo from Georgia, uh, the corner in the, the first couple of picks of the fourth round, they traded up to get him. So I, I'd give Howie Roseman a, a tip of the hat here too for what he was able to do. Yeah, he did, did a great job. And, and you're right on Detroit. Suddenly Detroit feels like not only the class – of the NFC North, but with with all of the talent being in the AFC and the NFC right now, it feels like Philly and everybody else. Detroit might be a team that makes a deep playoff run. They, you know, they seem to be pointing in the right direction. I think they got the coach right, and um, everything seems to be falling into place. Kyle, excellent stuff. Really, really good stuff. Thanks so much for joining us. We appreciate it. Kyle Krabs. Well, it's my my pleasure, guys. Uh, good to catch up with you. Hope to talk to you all again soon, all right? Absolutely. Very, very good. Uh, Thanks again, deep Kyle. Deep knowledge. We should have asked him who was number one in his big boards uh, going into 2024. We missed an opportunity. <laughs> These poor guys are he's, hit with oh, that. He's still here. We, we'll eyes. get him real quick. Kyle, Kyle, there, we'll Caleb Williams. It's, it's Marvin Harrison, right? Uh, Marvin Harrison's the top non-quarterback. Caleb Williams from USC is my guy. Is the, the, right. the number one player. But non-quarterback, Marvin Harrison ain't even close. Uh, yeah, I, yeah, I would agree with that. All right, it, Kyle, Kyle, thanks, man. We appreciate it. Really, really Jason. good stuff. Yeah. Really good stuff. It is 1220. Jason, you have to hold it for a little longer. Jason has to pee. I'm just going to throw it out there. Okay, He's going to leave during the next. We're, he has to stay for this topic. We're going to let him go after the next topic. But we can't do this next topic without Jason. Be, listen, Bull went up and took a crap in the middle of the show. He came back one day and told us about it. So all yeah, things yeah. on board here. Steam. But uh, Bull, Bull's but, fine with that. He likes that. Yeah, yeah Bull, 
is yeah, he's open on everything. Jason, we've laughed at it before. We'll laugh again. Let's go for the next topic. But real quick, Call of Racing, the official NASCAR sponsor of Northeast <laughs> Ohio, also sponsors the lunch hour of UCSS. We can't let Jason go for this segment because this segment is literally built around something he said last week. I had a workout class at 9 a.m. this morning. I drank like a gallon of water by Yeah, well, that'll do it. So that, that'll definitely do it. Dying over so here. So last Thursday, the morning after the Cavs were eliminated from the playoffs, Jason wrote an article on The Athletic and then came on the show and we discussed Donovan Mitchell's future in Cleveland. We're going to play the clip in one sec and then react to it, but this went viral over the weekend. It was aggregated by a couple of the big NBA social media accounts. Oh, man. Uh, we're going to play the clip. We'll show you the tweet, and then J.G. Jason will all react. Here's a clip from last Thursday. The talk all year long has been Donovan's going to New York the first chance he gets. Like, every time I talk to people around the league, it's, well, Donovan's going to New York. Donovan had told you that. At his introductory press conference, he said, I thought I was going home. I thought I was going to New York. He went there last night. We didn't ask him about New York. He brought it up. He's the one who mentioned again and said, I'm, I'm over it. Well, are you really? Because you're the one who's still talking about it. I didn't bring it up to you. And then once he brought it up, that's when I said, okay, what did you mean by that? Like, then we had a little bit more right, of a New York right, conversation yeah. after the game last night, but only because he went there first. So you have two years of control left on Donovan Mitchell and then a player option year. More than likely, he's not picking up the player option. These guys want to get back into free agency and yeah. get their next contract as sure. soon as possible. You have two years left. Do you really think after all the assets that the Cavs gave up to acquire him that they're going to run the risk of leaving, letting him leave and getting nothing in return for him? Right. No, you're going to have to trade him with a year left on his contract unless you get a big extension out of him, unless you get a commitment out of him. I don't think that's happening. From everyone I've talked to, he wants to go to New York. Now, does New York want him? I don't know. But that's where he wants to go. That's oh, where he wants they? to play. So then that got aggregated this was the first one nba central which has three million followers on twitter got over 10 million impressions which doesn't help us get paid but you know good exposure for us the quote that they took from that from everyone i've talked to he wants to go to new york by our guy jason lloyd uh it's been 72 hours since then jason there's no changing your stance i have one question for jason to start off with have you received any pushback from the Cavs or from donovan mitchell on your statement no Okay. None. The defense rests. <laughs> right. I mean, I, honest to God, because like, that, that was the one thing I wanted you to talk about. Yeah. Because if it wasn't, they've seen it. Yeah. They've called. Oh, you. they've seen it. They've seen they it. They just up on if, you. If, if, if it wasn't true, somebody would have reached out to you and said, Jay, you're on the wrong path. Listen. I like you. I respect you. That's, that's not correct. I've talked to the Cavs in December and January about this. Right. And told them. I'm not writing it now, but like it's out there. So yeah, it's not anything. And what was their response then? Are you are you free to say that? Uh, that I, I don't want to get into it. That's it was fine. it was pretty much off the record. That's fine. But they they are aware that I was talking about this in December and January, and I told them I wasn't going to write it then. So so the level so this and so we've been, you know, Jason, you know, he's been we he, you know we talk and he's like, yeah, guys, we ain't gonna go up. I'm not gonna we gotta jump. Why don't we try to jump off the porch with it? But this is some stuff. So there'll be stuff that you'll hear and you just go about doing your job. You you don't there's certain topics that he'll know or or Jay will know or Bull will know or somebody somebody that told you be something that you don't even say half the time. Right. You don't even say it. You just go on doing more stories. than half the time. Jason, what do you write? Fifteen percent of the stuff you know? Twenty percent? I I've probably yeah, probably about twenty to twenty five percent. Right. Yeah. So if it gets to that point, and it took a, it took him all year just to say that, and he told us that back back in November. Like that is not Earth. By the way, this is not Earth moving 
uh, noise. Like, if you can't look at the, the climate of what the, the NBA is with, with Kyrie and Kevin Durant and James Harden and all these other moving parts, if you guys don't know that by now, y'all are crazy. Like, this is the way these guys move. It's a it's a business. It is a this is their legacy and basketball players more than any anybody really take the path that they want to go and they they control over their career more, you know, over the top than any other player. So I don't know why you would not assume that we've been saying that for a long time. Like, look, were bro, you surprised by the reaction from the basketball world? Because I, you know, on the surface, it's New York, right? And and they're still playing, and they're not, they're never good with not getting up. They thought they were getting LeBron when yes. he went to Miami. KD, and and then as soon as it doesn't work out, screw that player, man. We don't want that dude anyhow. But they want Donovan Mitchell. You would think. Why wouldn't they? Right, right. I mean, with the pieces that they have. And you add Donovan Mitchell to that. Now yeah. you talk about not just a team that can make it to the Eastern Conference semifinals, and who knows how that series is going to work out. It's yeah. not, it hasn't started off well for them, but he might be the difference maker in New York that we were hoped Donovan Mitchell sure. would be the difference maker here in Cleveland. And I don't know. And we're two years out. I don't know how they make the numbers work, and if it's free agency, tra- whatever. You know, that's not really my concern. Really, the only reason I was bringing it up was because, and and I, I get it. I hear it all the time, like. Well, Cleveland media is trying to drive another player out. Or why are you guys talking about this already? Guys, we're talking about this because the NBA is talking about this. I'm telling you what leagues and teams are saying. And the Cavs know about this. Like, they knew this when they traded were for Were you him. hearing it from players or executives or both? Uh, teams, executives, teams. executives, agents. and So they know it's circulating. Yeah, of course they know it's, it's out there. It's a small but tight circle. Yes. and But teams have to plan one year, two year, three years out, four years out. They're always looking. You heard Kobe talking about it at his end game, end of season presser about going into the tax. And, and it's, he said exactly what I was telling you guys three months ago. It's, it's not about going into the tax. It's about starting the repeat offender clock. And you have to be strategic about when you do that because those taxes are so much more punitive. So know that he made it sound like they're not going to be a tax paying team this year because they have to worry about three, four, five, six years out. Teams plan for this stuff all the time. That's why we're talking about it, because that's what they're talking about. If you're the Cavs, aren't you immediately talking to his agent about a long-term extension? Sure, yeah. I mean, okay, do you and I would imagine that, that conversation those... conversation ha- ha- no, has happened? No, I, I, don't, I don't know. But I would imagine that it's an ongoing... It's not like you pick up the phone. And by the way, his agent was Colin Sexton's agent, which is just another little oh, funny twist in all of this. That's interesting. But it's not like you just pick up the phone at the end and go, okay, like, what do you want to do? Like, this is an ongoing. No, but if you're the Cavs and you're hearing this, and, and, and they're hearing it too. Oh, yeah. You, you probably weren't the first person but to he, tell them about but it. He would never, but he, he would never sign that because of this, right? He wants the flexibility, right? Because when Kobe Altman says we're not making any, any sweeping changes – and if you're Donovan Mitchell and you want sweeping changes, then you're going to say, well, I'm not signing nothing. I'm going to see what you do to put a team around me, and then we'll look at it to see how that team well, gels. Disc- there, there, there was something going on on the Cavs bench during one of the timeouts. Oh, yeah, when and he was getting hostile or animated. Yeah, what or, was yeah. that about? I, I didn't ask. I don't know. It's yeah. nothing. Yeah. It's, it's in-game do, frustration. Do you sense that there's any frustration? No, and that's why I want to go back to what you said. I don't know that Donovan wants sweeping changes. Like, you know, I don't, I don't want to oh, put yeah, words yeah, in his yeah, mouth. Yeah, no, I don't yeah. know that. I mean, listen, that's why I said before. He was sent here. He didn't come here on his own. He was sent here in a but trade. man, at his news conference, 
if he said all the right he things. He sold it like this was his end-all, be-all destination. But and he said he was excited that they didn't have to give up any of the big pieces to get him. They still had Jared Allen. They still had Darius Garland. They still had Evan Mobley. He was afraid they'd have to break off one or two of those in order to get right. him. He was thrilled that they were all here. He has been a model teammate. He's been an exemplary leader, takes accountability even at times more than he probably should shoulder, although I think he gets a lot of the blame for how they played in that Knicks and series. And he took it. And he took it. Like, he's been great. He's been great since day one, and I don't want to misconstrue anything on that. He's been exactly what they want from him. I'm just telling you, he thought he was going home. It would be like, you know, if you got drafted to Albuquerque, G, and then you had the opportunity to come to Cleveland, come home, you think you're coming home, and then they ship you to Buffalo. And you're like, oh, man, well, I thought I was going, all right, well, I'm going to do the best I can here, and I'm right. going to make the best of the situation, but I kind of wanted to go home. It's it, the same. I don't, I don't fault him for that at all. Right. I don't fault the Cavs for making the deal. Like, they had an opportunity to draft or trade for a superstar with three years of control left, and they were just felt like their contention window was opening. So they make the big swing, and you and you look at it, you go, we've got two years to convince him to stay before we have to make a decision. And that's still in play. They still have another year. Guys can change your mind. Kevin Love was adamant to me. When LeBron's gone, I'm out. And then he ended up staying and signing another long-term deal. So guys are human. They change their minds on these things. I'm just telling you where we stand right now. I, I don't think you're. I don't think he's changing his mind. Um, let's be real. You can go back and look through the annals of time when guys are super. He he'll probably still either be first or second team All NBA. First or second team All NBA dudes do want control. They want to control where they go. Look at the people who got traded. Kyrie Irving got traded to Boston. He said, "I love it." Love it here. It's my team. I got Tatum, Brown, all these young dudes. It's me. We about to less than two years later. He's like, nah, I need the control. I want to go where I want to go. Start my own thing. He went to Brooklyn. I'll even go to the highest level. Now, I know Toronto ain't a mid-market team, but it ain't crazy, crazy NBA team. But when they got Kawhi Leonard, they went to the promised land. They went to the championship and beat the Warriors. And Kawhi Leonard was like, all right. Appreciate you. I'm gonna take. I'm going, I, home. I'm going home. What makes you think I'd be trying to say it? I, I listen. You may say we guys up here in the media. You know, I, I jokingly say I'm the Duke and knee jerk, but all I'm doing is just giving you the mirror. Now, when I show up, you can decide if you want to believe it or not. But the proof's already been there. See, here we forget so quickly what happens. We just we throw it away. And if someone just says to you. I like you because I understand Cleveland. Man, you gotta stop falling for that. And every time somebody reports something, every time every time somebody give you something, you don't have to take it personally as if you want to bury your head in the sand and can't be a fan anymore. Trust me, people don't walk around and just make up stories. To be truthful, if you I got in this game and I'm I always call people, I say, listen, I'm the least of the most locked in dudes in the game. I don't even got sources. And then one day I got some sources and then it messed me up because I'm like, this is really what be happening. This is really like if you really knew 80% of the stuff that's available to talk about or that you knew that don't get reported, it would screw up your fandom. So just just relax. We're no Jason's not printing, you know, phony dollars here. Uh, it is what it is. If you just take a look at the uh, a look at the tea leaves, and at the end of the day, 
that Donovan Mitchell ain't no different than the rest of the players that make these same moves. He's not signing no extension. Why would he sign an extension today? And that is something that's looming over the organization. It is what it is. Yeah, it doesn't benefit him financially to do a deal now. Not when right now. The pay no. scale changes as often as it does. Yeah, um, in Jason's defense, not that he needs any defending. Um, Real quick, Jay. Yeah. If anyone wants to come at Jason, I'll fight him. <laughs> like, I think we all will. I will do trial by combat <laughs> but see, in the throne style he, for Jason. Thing, though, That's and, my dude. I'm just throwing out there. Jason, I got you back. It's not just Cleveland fans. <laughs> yeah. Okay? It's but, not. I want to start by saying that. Yeah. Um, that's the universe that we're immersed in, so sometimes it appears that way. Yes. But when we give our opinions on players and – it's not the most glowing opinion of that player. We're not saying that because we want that to be true or we want to make you upset. We're saying that because that's what we think. Right. Now, in the case of Jason and his reporting, there's no opinion in what he reported. <laughs> what Jason reported was what he is hearing. That's what reporters do. Yeah. It's not like you heard it from one person and went with it. You're seasoned. You know, I need, I need multiple sourcing on this. Mm-hmm. I need uh, different organizations, different voices. When you start getting to a threshold where it's no longer a whisper, it's not necessarily a shout, but they're talking in openly, front of everybody. Openly. That's when Jason feels comfortable enough to report it. The anger at Jason for what he said is so misplaced. <laughs> it, 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 he doesn't want this to happen. He doesn't necessarily have a dog in the fight it's his job to write about what he's hearing and to talk about what he's hearing and we're sorry if Browns fans don't like it there's no agenda I'll guarantee you before the show starts Jason doesn't sit down and say how can I rile up the the (laughs) Cleveland fan base today and trust me I'll be asking him inflammatory questions to get him riled up I try to get Jason to say stuff and I'll be trying about yo you're not gonna get he's a pro he's a pro's pro are you trying to let him so with that with that all being said real quick just to put a wrap on this before we talk Kevin Love for two minutes. Knowing what you know, what Jason's reported, what we all think, what we've all heard, do you think Donovan Mitchell ends up playing his final two years on his current contract in Cleveland? They'd have to win like a championship. They'd have to like go to the finals or something. I, it, I would say no, and here's why. The talk that he wants to go to New York is out there. It would be irresponsible for the Cavs to let him play here for the next two years, knowing that he is going to opt out when he can. Mm-hmm. And then they're left looking around going, what do we have now? Right. Oh, what, no. What, what do we have now? Oh, and, and, so, those, and, them, and no draft capital? No. So what has to happen Ooh. is you got to get all the major players in a room and you have to talk this out and you have to do it sooner than later. You have to ask Mitchell, not his agent. I want to talk to Donovan Mitchell. Donovan We're trying to do the responsible thing for the organization. I know you're worried about you. Is there a scenario where you opt into that third year? And what are the, where are we on negotiating or talking about an extension? And if you're hitting a brick wall on those talks, you have to do what's responsible for the organization. And sadly, that would be moving him after one more season because you cannot have this move not give you a championship or even a playoff series victory at this point. <laughs> right. 
and you've got nothing to show for it. This is where it we can't at. happen yeah. that way. Yeah. It can't play out that way. We were supposed to win a series, and at least this would have pacified you. At least this no, would have put a malate. No, over over some general fans, it would have been like we're right on target, right? Yeah. For the Next other year, we make it to the final. Right, 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 the right, right. But now we, I'm sitting here laughing and like, come on, man, you talk about this is a year, and then now we have no capital, and we gonna have to move them some, for something. You know, we not about to and sell high. If the Heat end up bouncing the Knicks, and the Knicks end up being who we thought they were, yeah, it's even worse for Cleveland because you lost to a team that you should have beat, and you lost to them, and here come the Miami Heat who I think have finally figured out the paradigm or, or the Rubik's Cube that is how you approach the regular season and how you approach the playoffs. And why shouldn't they be the team to figure it out? They've got Pat Riley there helping you know Spolstra figure all of this out. Spolstra's made playoff runs when, when LeBron and D-Wade were there. He's grizzled. He understands the game. This is one of the more stark examples of a team coasting in the regular season. Hell, they almost didn't get in. Mm-hmm. They coasted too much. Dang. And But once they're in, they know exactly where the button is, and they push it, and all forces are activated. And now it looks like they're on their way. I know it's early in that series, but winning game one at Madison Square Garden, uh, you win a second one there, and you're winning the series. You're going to have a five-seed or an eight-seed in the conference finals in the East and a, and six, or a, seven, in a six or a seven in the so West. Right now, the lower seeds are... They're 500. Yeah, they won. You know, they they won two series in the West and two series in the East, and it's a product of teams kind of figuring out what we need to do to win in the playoffs no, no, yeah. and what we need to do to win in the regular. I, Speaking I, of that, real quick, G, and I know we're on the series and we got to get the Guardians in a sec. So we have to end with PCC and some internet comments. But Kevin Love played a big role yesterday as the Heat won. The only time we'll talk about Kevin Love unless he scores 20 plus points in a series, I promise you. But how much did it hurt to watch him do the little things that Cleveland didn't have against the Knicks now in round two playing the same team? Is there anything more than a hell of a lot? <laughs> it hurt as badly as it could hurt because what he gave Miami yesterday in game one is exactly what the Cavs needed and didn't get in the Knicks series. He came off the bench. He only played like 15 or 16 minutes. He scored nine points. He hit a couple of threes. He had, there's a funny tweet out that said with his first pick in the 2024 NFL draft, the Miami Dolphins take quarterback Kevin Love because we saw him do it here for years. Yep. That outlet pass on the break, yep. he, he throws it as well as anybody in the NBA. He gave you, he gave you what Jared Allen gave you in 42 minutes. <laughs> he gave us 15 or 16. That's Nine crazy. points, five rebounds, four assists. That's, Un- exactly. that's, that's my, but you know what? That's all you need from him. Yeah. You don't need yeah. 30 minutes from him. Right. As a fan, as a, I try not and to. And good for Kevin, by the way. Yeah. I try good not to Kevin. do this. I try. But I, I just, I, I can't even, like, it, it makes me physically angry and sick when I talk about the Cavs. I just can't, like, I, I try to avoid it because the, the level of hubris that they spoke with after, after it was all done, and I'm like, and then I'm watching Kevin Love contribute and now you telling me about how 50 wins is a as a landmark man listen I'm gonna keep it real with you it's a lot of dudes out here that's a losing mentality that's a that's a losing mentality don't tell me about no 50 wins I saw LeBron get 66 and we was pissed as hell they lost to the magic in the finals like it's levels to this man listen I'm gonna keep it real he talked like a guy that know his job is secure 
and I'm going to just be honest with you. Dan Gilbert may not be running that level of the organization. And he feel he real comfortable right now. But to sit up here and tell me about 51 wins and how that has a lot of cachet with me, like, come on, man. I just, it, it, it irks me because the same thing that we got mad, we're not dumb. We said the same thing about the Browns, remember? I said, no, you got six games. That You, you chose the gentleman's punnel, you got six games, and we're going to watch you and see what you're doing. Guess what the, guess what the Browns did? Kevin Stefanski went to a seminar and said, you got to talk more. <laughs> They, they, Andrew Barry said this and this analytics stuff. We might want to just start drafting off of who's good and who's not and we need to turn this roster over. We need that's what happens when the pressure is on you, but he feel like he has no pressure on him zero. When I watched the Miami Heat come out here with without Tyler hero with Jimmy Butler and it, and, and it says this about the league that it's a generational thing to me. Look at the teams that's winning LeBron. You got your boy Chris Paul. Those guys. Those guys that you got Kevin Love, that's Jimmy Butler. These well, even the Warriors. The now. Warriors. Look, all of that good talk, them dudes is a different type of breed. They like, oh, y'all win all them regular season games if you want to. So what? Yeah. So what? I'll I'll catch you and I Steph Curry, I'll put you out of the playoffs on your own court. Well, that's what I wrote after Kobe spoke was th- this one time I'll let you hang a banner for fifty wins because uh, where this organization was two years ago, and it is significant. It's a step, but that can never happen again because you can't tell us all year the regular season doesn't matter, and they tell you that by sitting all their stars. Yep. Yeah. All year long, every team sits their stars. You can't come back then at the end and celebrate the regular Look season. We did the regular season when they just when you spent the last six months downgrading the regular season. Yeah. It, you can't have it both ways. And we had, we talked at the onset of the season after the Mitchell trade. We had all kind of gone through and said. What makes this year a success? And I was greedy. I said, I want a trip to the Eastern Conference Finals. That, that, that's what it's going to take for me. Yeah. Because when you're telling me that we've got these four superstars now, what other team has four superstars? I and think, go ahead. I, so for me, I said, and there were a lot of people said, oh, I don't know. That's a big lofty goal. You know, let's maybe if they make it past the first round. Well, the la- last year we underachieved in that we didn't get a playoff series. Right. Mm-hmm. This year we underachieved in that we got one playoff win and got knocked out in five and, games by and, a lower seed. And you had home court advantage. Yeah, that's a disappointment. And that's a clear-cut disappointment. And I'm not going to give them a consolation prize for 50 wins in the regular season. It's a milestone. It's nice. But I don't care. Right. I don't care. I. This league, every league, is about what you do once the regular season is over. Half the damn league makes the playoffs. I'm not going to wave a banner because I'm in the top half of the league. Right. And so next year, if you don't win two playoff series and you don't make it to the Eastern Conference Finals, to me, it's a third straight collapse. It's a third straight underachievement. Because you know the other shoe is dropping. You know, you know, you know, you have a very slim chance of signing Donovan Mitchell. And then you're back. Not if you make it to the finals. If, I think if, if you, they if make, you, it, to if you finals, make it to the finals, and they and they lose maybe in the Eastern Conference Finals in seven games, and they're right there, then I think you got a chance of Donovan sitting down saying, "Let's talk." Well, that's why I'm like twelve years or twelve months is a lifetime. It is in the lot NBA. Can change. A lot can change between now and a year from now. We have no idea how this is going to play out. Yeah, I, I would have felt like a, a first round win would have been success this yeah. year for the Cavs. I wouldn't have gone Conference Finals just because the East is so loaded. I didn't necessarily expect them to make that. 
But and I'm not ready to say what next year needs to look like because we still have a whole off season of free agency sure. and everything else and see who's healthy, what teams stay together, who disassembles. But yeah, I mean the the, the bar's been raised now for the Cavs and, and just fifty wins isn't good enough. Just making the playoffs isn't good enough. Not when you have the talent you've assembled. And and I, I think it's just a little bit different and you know, you talk about and Kobe mentioned like the four, we have to rely on on those four guys. Well when you look at like what Miami did when, when they brought together their stars, they brought together three Hall of Fame talents. It wasn't just really good players or p- young players. It was guys in their seventh year who'd played seven years going into their eighth years in uh, Wade, LeBron, and Bosch. So you could be really top-heavy with those three, and you could get by with league minimum guys at the bottom of sure. the roster because you knew you had three Hall of Famers to carry you. Cavs aren't in that position with no. these four. They're really good players. But they're not at the level of a big three type of what we're accustomed no. to seeing. They could grow into that. But, you know, I mean, these guys are – Evan's going into year three, not year eight. Darius is going into year, what, five, not year eight. Donovan is that guy. He should be in that guy. But even he's not in that mold of LeBron and Dwayne Wade. He's a really good player. Right. But he's not greatest of all time conversation, at least it, not yet. You know, I know that you can parse whether or not a trip to the finals is what was expected, but I can tell you this, and you don't know how this is going to play out, but if you would have told me coming into the playoffs that Milwaukee's going to be a first-round bounce, Mm -hmm. I would have been salivating. I would have said, oh, then we've got a pretty clear path. We have to beat two teams that were seated below us to get to the Eastern Conference Finals. Now you either have to see one of either Boston or Philly. And and so now that's a dual, you know, that doesn't seem like such a Herculean task. But you couldn't even get out of the gate with step one. Right. And I, it, Milwaukee season was a far bigger bust than the Cavs. Yes. But for me, this, this Cavs season was a bust. We got 15 minutes, not quite we got 10 minutes, minutes for Guardians. 10 we minutes, got five Guardians, minutes at five the minutes, end. minutes viewer yes. comments. Go. Guardians lose to Boston 7-1 yesterday. Yeah. I was excited with what Logan Allen gave them. Five mm-hmm. strong innings, gave up two runs. He My struck good. out eight. Eight again, I, 16 and two starts. He's now. that guy. Yeah. I, I think he's the guy that we thought he was going to be. What, what, are, what are your thoughts on what Logan Allen has been so far? Like the young pup. I, I like what he what he's brought. And he he wasn't even one of the, the tippy top prospects. But that's the thing about the Guardians. They always get if, if they bring you up, you 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 got something. I like the fact that and it's just so sad that he pitched that well, gave up two earned runs, you know, only four hits. Um, struck out eight. I think he struck out eight the last game, and it sucks because you. I, it was one of those games where you could just tell these bats is not going to do nothing. Like, now, I thought that early. Saturday, and they mount a rally and they tie the game, and then here comes Classe, and Classe looked horrible. Yeah, yeah he, he didn't he, record he, an out, and he, they lose the game in extra innings after scoring in the top of the 10th. That, to me, was the gut punch. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But no, no. Logan Allen is is the guy, isn't he? Yeah, I mean, he's, his his stuff is not overpowering. He's no. not in that Bybee, Gavin Williams, Espino level of type of prospect where their stuff, they're throwing 98, 99. He's not throwing that hard. I do think they're going to get a book out on him. He is going to get hit, and then he's going to have to see how he adjusts from there. So I'm not ready to declare him as the guy, but he's off to a great start. You can't dispute with what he's doing. I'm just curious when teams get a little bit more tape on him and when they see his sequences, when they see his stuff, uh, he is going to get hit a little bit just because he's not overpowering and dominating. I don't think the lineup, you know, it's May 1st. It's frustrating to watch, but I don't think, I do think guys are going to come around as the weather warms. Bats should heat up a little bit. They'll make some sort of move at the deadline. You know, we've talked about it before. Bull and I have gone around and around. I think they probably will add a right-handed bat at the deadline if Naylor can't figure it out by then. Naylor just looks terrible. 
Tito had Naylor hitting uh, in a game late last week against lefties, one-run game late. Yeah. And I'm, I'm, I'm scratching my head. When he didn't call for a pinch hitter, I go, well, here comes a strikeout. And and I think I think he would tell you if he's being honest, well, it's April, and we want to give him those opportunities right now. But, but don't we know what he is against lefties? Yes and no. I mean, he hasn't shown anything, and, and, and Bull and I have argued about this at length. Mm-hmm. No, he hasn't shown me the ability to hit lefties, but I'm not ready to give up on him, but I'm getting pretty darn close. It's just he's It feels he, like he's just a platoon guy. And, and you've got to have you got to be able to put the bat on the ball. You got to be able to right, do something right. against lefties. And it's and and I thought Zach Meisel put this really well. I was talking to Zach about it and Zach's like once you close that door you, can, you don't really reopen it. Once you declare no, th- then he'd have to be moved to another team that might try again. Yeah, once you declare you can't hit lefties, well now you've just declared and you can't go back on that and now it's yeah a full-time but you know what platoon. give him a chance i just hated that it was a pressure situation every win is going to be gold in yeah. this in this division and I, I it was i knew what was coming before it happened we should never know that he just hasn't been able to do it now look if he turns it around and suddenly can hit lefties it's going to be one of the very few times that that's happened the body of work is big enough we've seen it we know what it is he just cannot hit left-handed pitching. And at the rate we're going, I think in July you'll see a trade for a right-handed bat. And, I would and hope bring, so. They'll bring some. I would uh, hope so. You know, the Twins aren't really running away with it, but I, I think they got to keep it close. You, I don't think they can get get down seven, eight, eight games in the division. To I that point, they've lost four straight series. They've lost six of their last seven series, and they're at Yankee Stadium beginning tonight. So it could easily be five straight series losses, seven of eight series losses. They're currently 13 and 15. They're only three and a half behind the Twins because the Twins aren't, you know, a juggernaut. They're not running away with anything yet, but it gets late pretty early. And they've and you got can't let that grow to seven or eight no. games in May. No, you and you can't. got and you got a series with Minnesota coming up right after you do. the Yankees. So you do. that should be an opportunity. <laughs> Hopefully you can make but, but that can go either <laughs> that way. Right. Go, right. And and you, the way they've been going, it's not been good. The, to me, I'm not ready to panic. Uh, I'm certainly discouraged with what I've seen, but it's only two games under five hundred, and I think it was you that asked me, okay, let's split the season into thirds. What do you expect when they're a third of the way through? Mm-hmm. Which would roughly be about fifty games. I said I expect them to be around 500 25, yep. because they're doing all this without their number two arm. Once they get McKenzie back, and by the way, do you have anything on that when he's expected back? When it, right around when he's active or eligible to come off the 60, which when would it, be June, right? When it's end of this month, end okay. of May, yeah, very end of this month. Yeah, well, be we're going to need him, and then you know what do I expect in the second, third of the season? I expect them to go six or seven games over 500 in that stretch because now they've got their arms figured out. Is Plezak the guy? I don't think so. No. Uh, is Savali the guy? He can be sometimes. He's got to stay he's a, healthy. He's maybe a fourth or a fifth starter. Yeah. Quantrill has been, you know, a, a little, all over the place. I don't know who he is yet. He's pitching tonight against the Yankees. I know we're going to find out him in the past. Yeah, I know we're going to find out more about him tonight. But it, I'm not panicking. But here is the red flag that definitely has me concerned. You have 17 home runs in 28 games. Yeah. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. 
If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. That 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 is not going to do it. That That's not even going to come close. There are guys that have as many home runs in one day as the Guardians' leading home run hitter has all season. Yeah. It's, it is a code red, all sirens are blaring, and I don't know where it's going to come from. I mean, Jose is going to get hot, you would think, but three home runs in the first month of the season, that ain't it. Are you worried about him? No. I'm not worried that Jose is going to put together a good year. I don't think he's going to duplicate. He's not going to be an MVP candidate. I mean, I don't know how he can be when you have a month of April as, as slow as his has been. I, and I don't know what the answer to it is. I don't know. I'm, I'm not at all worried about Jose. I think his numbers at the end of the year will be right where we expect him to be, especially with the new format and, and them taking I mean, away the shift. If he has three a month, he, he finishes with 18 home runs. I, he'll, he'll have more than that. I know he'll have more than that, and I'm, I'm not – but, like, is Josh Bell – who is Josh Bell going to end up being? I don't, I don't know about him. I'm worried it's, about what they paid him. The, the Guardians are a team that when they do make a free agent move like that, they can't miss. Right. They're not the Yankees, and they can't spend their way out of mistakes. Well, luckily, this is a one-year deal, one year at an option year. Yep. So it's not – if he is a miss, it's not the end of the world. You it's not on. like you're locked in for five or six years. Yeah, I wish they would have done more. Um, and I don't know what the answer is. Um, we talked at length, will these guys come back and have the same success in year two that they have in year one? Quan hasn't been the same guy. Oscar Gonzalez hasn't been the same guy. No, Gonzalez. We're seeing oh, the dreaded wow. – sophomore right. slump that we talked about and that right. I was very worried about all along. Yeah. Will Brennan's a guy that I really like. Yeah. I mean, Brennan has played well. But, MVP. You know, you still got to you gotta get what you expect out of these other guys, and so far it just hasn't been there. Yeah, I I'll think- wait it out. Too. I, you, know, I, you know, I'm not I'm, – I'm, my knees are very stable until uh, Memorial Day. Them going off. Okay, so knee <laughs> jerk at June 1st. Like June 1st, Mike. Listen, you told me I couldn't say nothing. <laughs> I waited you out. So right. June 1st. We've got five minutes left. We want to hear what some of the viewers were saying yes. about the draft. So Yeah, two things real quick. One, there's no call of grace support today because the race was apparently delayed. So we'll have that tomorrow. They're racing today. We love our friends over at Colic. And we're going to read some internet comments on the draft from our YouTube community page. And it is brought to us, as always, by PCC Airfoils. If you're looking for a job with career advancement and great benefits, well, PCC Airfoils is the place for you. They are looking to hire jobs that start paying at $18 and up, and they have locations in Eastlake, Menor, Wycliffe, and Minerva. If you want full benefit packages, paid time off, and signing bonuses, you can apply online at precast.com slash careers to learn more. So over the weekend, we posted on our community tab on YouTube every pick, some stats, a little analysis on them. I'm going to read a comment or two on uh, five or six of these real quick. We'll go through and just show the, the fact that no one could agree on anything. Let's just put it at that. Good pick, bad Shocking. pick, no one knows. The first one is on Cedric Tillman. This from, comes from Kelly Bale. Look at those Tillman numbers, dot, dot, dot. He had those in only five starts, future stud in all capitals. <laughs> and right under that is Mikey McCray. Terrible pick. We have enough bad and mediocre receivers like Schwartz and Bell at best. He's Donovan Peoples-Jones and DPJ, not even that good. We're going to go next to Can't DeWan Jones and our YouTube page and our YouTube comments. Joel Joss, it just hit me. 6'8", that's flipped out. Biggest person ever. The Bellonian, the dude is a mountain. And then Hades Underworld says, future bust, book it. 
<laughs> Next, Isaiah McGuire and Missouri. Experts. <laughs> they bored Ian, fire. I'm all for more defensive line depth. Can't wait to go to Bleacher Report and see Erm still no linebacker. Never seen Erm in writing. Erm still no linebackers on the Browns page. Chad <laughs> Fraser says, do no linebackers. We need linebackers. Linebackers, linebacker, linebackers. And then Vic's former 44 says, we may have the worst linebacker in NFL history, but this is a good edge rusher pick. <laughs> so they all agree on that. And then we'll get to the quarterback. This is from uh, Dorian Thompson-Robinson. He was their fifth-round pick. Uh, let me read a couple here. The real RMP. Terrible pick. Why are you drafting a quarterback when there's still other needs on the team? And we also had only one Zay saying, how the hell did he fall this far? DTR is a stud. Great pick. Could be the backup <laughs> for five, six, seven years. I love it. Bro. So essentially, the conclusion of this little project is We're everywhere. Who knows? <laughs> who and knows? You know what? And real quick, I skipped the one on uh, Siaki Ika. Let me let me pull up his real quick. We got twenty comments on that. Uh, Mikey McRae also commented on this one. Says, "Goodness, the last D tackle we drafted from Baylor was Phil Taylor from Baylor." You're gonna say Baylor twice in the same sentence. Awesome. Uh, Bill Graper says, "I've never heard of him, but looks like he's a big guy with great range." Fills a huge need. And then on the other side. Danny Show says, dude is just flat out not good. Wears down very easily. So, at the end of the day, I think this shows what we all knew. That nobody knows anything. These nobody dudes might knows. be great. These dudes might be terrible. And we're not going to yeah. see until they actually step on the field. So, just like us, it turns out that our YouTube commenters don't, don't know. They don't, just know. Like don't know. And you know what? The, the, the one thing I can say about the NFL draft with certainty after watching it as a fan and covering it in the media for years now, um, no one knows. For every Peyton Manning, there's a Ryan Leaf. Mm -hmm. For every first-round bust, there's uh, Brock Purdy. For every first rounder that flames out there's an undrafted free agent that makes the team it's not a science we try to make it a science we measure we poke we prod we ask we try to do all of the due diligence in the world and sometimes you just johnny manzel it you just you just miss and other times you put your foot in it and you get lucky i have decided that all of everything I saw over the weekend means nothing to me. The only thing that matters is what they do from here on out. That's it. And once you kind of come to that realization, the draft just becomes noise. Yeah. Yeah. It just becomes thi a thing that is a necessary evil that we have to go through. But we're not going to know. And we may not know for three years. We, d we still don't know about guys that dra Browns drafted three years ago. We're still saying that. I don't know. Yeah. We're going to do it later this week. We're going to grade Andrew Berry's first draft class later this week. So it takes three years. We'll see you in overtime. Coming Peace. to the next. Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.